we know we stand in need of, of a touch from you, Lord. We ask that you would just be with each one, be with the many of this uh, congregation, Lord, that are away from us today, Lord, those that are usually here. We pray that you'd be with them and just uh, and allow them to come back to us and be restored to us. Lord, we ask that you would uh, be with us now as we look into your word, Lord, that you might grant us the things that we need today, Lord, that we might be able to preach those things that are right and good, Lord, and that they may be helpful to us, Lord, and that they may be honoring to you. Lord, we ask that you would just forgive us when we fail you. Please go with us. Just lift us up above the cares of this world, Lord, and just grant us peace as we listen to you, Lord. Please forgive us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray these things and for his sake. Amen. Well, I do have a few thoughts on my mind this morning. I hope they're uh, of the Lord and I hope that they'll be useful to us. I've been thinking about so I shared some thoughts last week from the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'm going to start there, I think. Um, just continue my thoughts from then. Uh, when I closed last week, I closed with the 11th verse. And uh, the idea was, and the idea of that, the, well, most of the third chapter and then the first half of that fourth chapter is discussing uh, this opportunity uh, and we would call it a, a, a time salvation, a timely deliverance is what we would call this because this is not a guaranteed thing uh, that God guarantees to his people. Um, when we think of the idea of salvation, at least in the eternal sense, those uh, that is all of God, and it is guaranteed. There is, uh, uh, as the Apostle Paul wrote, the, when he wrote that little book of Titus, that's one of my favorite verses uh, in all of Scripture. As he begins that little book, he, he says that he is writing in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began and that in that sense when we think of that when we think of verses like that and and, and uh, references to eternal salvation uh, they are guaranteed to us well this is a a type of salvation and the apostle paul speaks about it a little bit and uh, uh well he speaks about it in most of his books but very strongly in the uh, 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians as he's writing about the gospel and that's what this this is it's a declaration of the gospel and the gospel literally means and we have up there in the second verse he says for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them the gospel there simply means good news the good news was preached to them and what good news was that well the, what he is referring to what the writer of the Hebrew letter is referring to there is the good news to the Jewish people that God had given them a promised land. Now see, that should have been good news. The problem was uh, it was not good news to them because they didn't believe it. 
So they had, they had a belief issue. They had an issue with uh, trust, a trust issue maybe. We might, we might call it that. Either way, you know, they had been brought out of the land of Egypt. They had seen the mighty works of God just not long before this point, And apparently they had already forgot. Now, I don't know about you, but I find myself in that same position so often. Seeing the mighty works of God, seeing the hand of God in my life, and then I get to the very next patch of rough waters or whatever, and here I am wringing my hands again and worried about this and worried about that. I mean, we got enough stuff. To, we got There's a lot that you can could worry about in this life, especially today. Just Maxine and I were talking uh, before the rest everybody else got here this morning, and we were talking about how crazy things are. And I, you know, I don't have to re re-relate that to anyone. Everybody knows how crazy things are today. It is a strange world we live in and getting stranger all the time. I mean, just stranger all the time. I mean, what we can go wring our hands about it. I mean, we could, but we don't have to. I think that is the point of the text. The text is about trusting our God, trusting in what he has done. And and this rest that he refers to here is exactly that. It is a uh, it is a feeling that we can have when we put our faith and our trust in Him. Um, I often think of what uh, Sister Helen's mother would tell her, Helen, take your problems to the Lord and leave them there. I I can't think of a better way to put this. I mean, that is exactly what the writer is talking about. And so he begins after that 11th verse there. He says, let us therefore, let us labor therefore. Let, let us strive, let us work to enter into that rest. You know, and that, you can kind of relate that to retirement. You know, you work your whole life to get to a point where you can retire. I, most people today, I don't know that they know what that is. I don't, I don't know that I'll ever know what retirement is. I don't know that I'll ever be able to retire. But we work hard to get to a place where we can rest. And that's, that's what we strive for. Well, the writer of the Hebrew letter instructs us to do just that. Strive to enter into to this rest that is available for you. How can we do that? How, how is it? And this is kind of what's on my mind this morning. The, there's a couple of aspects to this. Now, like as I mentioned, the thing that plagued the children of Israel, and, and you can, it's, it's stated in, in several different places in Scripture. It's stated here in the, this chapter. It's stated in the, this, the final verse that we just read. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So there's the there's the thing that besets us uh, in the twelfth uh, chapter of this book. And I'm going to maybe flip around a little bit, maybe not too much, hopefully not too much. Um, the twelfth chapter of this book, the writer begins there. He says, "Wherefore, seeing." We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, the reference there is to the previous chapter, to the 11th chapter. 
Um, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, the witnesses, referring to the previous chapters, talking about the examples of men and women who lived by faith. Living by faith is the opposite of living by unbelief. Okay? And so we call that 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews the, uh, the faith chapter. We call it that because there are so many examples there listed of men and women living by faith. He says, wherefore, seeing, also, seeing, seeing we also are compassed about, we've got so many of these uh, examples before us, Think about what he said there in the uh, 11th verse of the 4th chapter. Let us labor to enter into that rest lest we fall after that same example of unbelief. So we've got examples on both sides of the spectrum. We've got both kinds of examples for us. And it's up to us to decide which one we want to follow. You want to follow the example of unbelief? Or you want to follow the example of belief? That's where we're at today. Following the example. Which example are we going to follow? Well, he, the, as he continues there in that 12th chapter, he gives us some clues or some keys in. I'm trying to, what's a good way to put this? Some, some, thing, some things that might encourage us to choose this latter option rather than the former. Okay? To choose the, choose the road of belief instead of the road of unbelief. So this is, this is what he, so he says here, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, and I've talked about this particular passage with a lot of different preachers. Uh, I, I, Brother Houston and I spoke about this passage on many occasions. I can recall many, many uh conversations about this very verse and, and we would talk back and forth about what is the sin and uh, you know I used to think it was just whatever that thing is that plagued each individual whatever that thing is that plagued each of us mostly whatever that one thing was that that, that drew us away from the cross and brother Houston said was always quick to tell me that he knew what it was and of course, I could be I could be wrong if I wanted to, but but uh, here's what it was: unbelief. And and you know when I think about that, and I could and and put that in its right place, that is the sin that affects every single one of us. Because regardless of what direction we're going and where we're headed, if we're not headed where Christ says we ought to go. That means we've taken our, we've chosen our own path because we believe it's better. We don't believe him, we believe us. So it can be whatever. So really we were both talking about the same thing, but Houston just put it in a better way. So I was, I'm happy with that. And if it actually means something else, I'm, you know, I hope one day somebody will show me. But at this point in my life, I'm happy with thinking that, that that's what it is. It is that, that unbelief, not believing what the Lord says, of going the opposite direction because we have so many examples and the example that he just showed us was this idea of belief. He says, uh, let us lay aside that 
sin, the sin, the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here is the, here is the key, looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith. He is, he is, he is our author. He is, he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. We can, we can trust, we can trust in him. If he said we can, we can. That, that's the key here. Um, in the previous chapter, the writer talks about, he starts with this. He says, now faith, and that's what I, I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this idea of faith. Why can we follow why should we pursue that? And I, I, I do want to get back to the end of that fourth chapter and read that there, but I want to proceed it with a few, a few other verses. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance. Faith, faith, is, a, uh, faith is not something we conjure up within ourselves, okay? Now, there are, there are two aspects of faith. Uh, at, at least, I want to say, two aspects of faith. One is, the, uh, one is that source, that wellspring, that, the starting point. And we, we know that, Galatians 5 and 22 tells us, it, it is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you have faith, okay, if you have faith, that means the Spirit of God is within you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Um, the writer of the book of Colossians, and I put it this way. He says, uh, he says, um, this the Apostle Paul again. He says, verse 1 and 25, he says, Wherefore I am made a minister, that is, about the gospel of Christ. He says, I'm made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. It's, it means we, we're privy to understand more of the secrets about this gospel. What is the gospel? What is the mystery of the gospel to whom God would make known what is the riches of of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, and here's the mystery, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians, as he enumerates the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things he mentions there is faith. Faith is an indicator that Christ is in you. Okay? That is what faith is an indicator of. Faith lets you know that Christ dwells in you that Christ is on the inside that uh, Christ is there with you that God actual God is with you all the time he says faith is the substance of things hoped for that is the he is the substance he is the it is the the evidence of things not seen the Peter as he writes talking about faith he says, uh, in uh, 1 Peter, he says this. 
you find a good place to start. I want to just share a few thoughts here from this first chapter of 1 Peter. He says, uh, so he gives us some, a little bit of, uh, of background as far as what we're rejoicing in. Blessed be the God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the third verse of the first chapter. According to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So he's given us a, 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 some, some uh, background on what it is we have to look forward to, what, what our hope is. <clears throat> he hath kept us by the power of God through faith. How, is, how has he kept us through faith? Is it through our faith? No, it's the faithfulness of Christ. That is the, that is the beginning of faith right there. It is the faithfulness of Christ. It's God's fidelity. Um, the third chapter of the book of Romans, the, the, is it the second chapter of the book of Galatians, and, and uh, the, the third chapter of the book of Philippians, they all talk about the faith of Christ and the faith of God, the faith of God, how we are uh, delivered, how we are saved by the faithfulness of our God. The beginning of that third chapter in Romans, the Paul asked the question, well, what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect or the faithfulness of God? Just because you don't believe God will do what he says he'll do, try Test it. I mean, he said that in the Old Testament. Trust me, try me, prove me. There was a song we used to sing in the uh, other denomination I was in, but I think they had the meaning wrong. But the idea there is God will always do what God says he'll do. He's not a liar like the devil. The devil is a liar. The father of lies, he was a liar from the beginning. I mean, that's all he knows. But we are, we have, we have a, a, a promise built on uh, a better promise, built on a sure word. Because God who cannot lie promised it. Peter says, uh, kept by the power of God, reserved in heaven for you through, through, the, through faith, through the faith of God, unto salvation. So faith is the beginning point, the faithfulness of Christ to, uh, to, the, to salvation. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, just a time, uh, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. What is a temptation? What is the idea of a temptation? Well, a temptation would be any of those things that come at us that would cause us to think, that would cause us worry, that would cause us doubt, that would cause us to think, now uh, I'll use that Isaiah 40 and 1 again, perfect example of this. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto her and cry, speak, speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. See, that's the, that's the gospel. I fought your battles, the Lord says. Well, that's a thing that they didn't believe. They didn't believe he's fought their battles. And so they ended up missing out on a rest they could have had because they were so worried about winning a battle that had already been won. Regardless of what it is, 
A temptation or a trial or a temptation is one of those things that comes at us that makes a, that will cause us to doubt or that gives us the opportunity to doubt what God has said. That's a temptation. It's a trial of your faith. Faith is often, a, a, oftentimes we can just switch out the word faith with the word belief or belief. Now, again, as I mentioned already, faith is one of those things that is kind of multifaceted. There's a couple of different aspects to it at least. And, and one is that origin of faith, that, that faith that it's not of ourselves. It's God's faithfulness. It's his fidelity. But then, and you go to Romans 1 and you can see it. He says, from faith to faith. So there's two sides of faith there. It's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Uh, but one is always faithful. The other may or may not be. God is always faithful to, to give his children what they need. We are not necessarily always faithful in acting it out and trusting him. Peter says here, Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold or multiple temptations, that the trial of your faith, and so he's talking about our faith, he's talking about that thing we believe in, and what is, how did the writer over here in Hebrews describe it? He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. We're going to get to that in just a second. He says, uh, though, uh, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Why is it so much more precious than gold? The trials of our faith. Because the trial, and James tells us, James gives us the answer to this in the first chapter of the book of James. The trials of our faith, and I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to give you a brief summary. What the trials of our faith does is it teaches us who we can trust. And it always does that. Because when you end up trusting yourself and you fail, you learn who to not trust. When you trust God and, and it's all, and you see that the battle has been won already and you didn't even lift a finger, you've learned a valuable lesson. It's, it's a temporary thing, yes. But it's for us for living it's for living from day to day to day. And listen to what he says. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, that perisheth though it be tried by fire might be found under the praise and the honor of glory at the appearing of Christ whom having not seen. <clears throat> the Hebrew writer there said that faith was the um, Substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Jesus Christ is that substance. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Peter says, even though we haven't seen him. See, there's, the, there's, that, there's what we haven't seen. We haven't necessarily seen. Now, a lot of these men did uh, originally. They saw it. But we haven't. Listen to what he says about that. Whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. 
You see, that's the end result of this faith that's been put in us. It's been put there to let us know, to give us evidence to the fact that we are His. That we are safe, that we are secure. Now, this faith chapter talks about that. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What is the substance and evidence? What is faith? Again, it is Jesus Christ. That's what it is. You see, you see it's not ours. It's not, it's not of us. It's not our, it's not something we conjure up ourselves, in and of ourselves. But it's Jesus. Uh, the the Apostle Paul writes in the Philippian letter, that second chapter there, uh, he says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That is, that is the faith of Christ. That is Jesus Christ in you. He is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I, uh, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I, and I because I can't even remember who said it. Well, I know somebody else said it. Couldn't have been. I'm pretty sure it wasn't me that thought this up. But if you read through this, and I'm not going to, but if you read through this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and you exchange the word Christ for the word faith, I think you get the real meaning of what's been being taught here. Uh, through faith, we understand that the world's were formed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made with the thing, made of things which do appear. Um, can you exchange that word there? Can you see, see, what I'm, see what I'm getting? See the point I'm, I'm trying to make here? Through Jesus Christ we understand that. You see, we don't understand that in and of ourselves. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, he says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So many people want to want you to believe that that word of God there is the preached word or teaching. But it is not. It's the rima. It's the spoken word of God. It's the creative voice of God that creates in you a hearing ear. It is the voice of the mighty God of the universe that gives you the ability to hear what he's saying. It's amazing. By Christ, we understand that the worlds were framed. By him, we understand that he made that. When, when uh, 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 Peter was there uh, and the Lord had asked the disciples a question about uh, who do men say that I am? And they listed off a few different things and, and he, looked, he turned over and he looked at Peter and he said, well, Peter, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. What, what did Jesus tell Peter? Oh, Peter, you're one of the smartest ones I got. I am so glad you figured that out. Boy, I was just, I've been waiting for one of you guys to figure that out. It's we just, if everybody else could just figure that out, that would be great. No. <laughs> That is definitely not what Jesus said. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father in heaven. He was taught by God. It's all through Scripture, taught by God. 
That is the mystery. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just, I'm going to read just a few more of these and just see how it fits. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, I would say by Christ. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. By Christ, Enoch was translated. We're clearly told here, it is without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without Christ, it's impossible to please him. You see, we can't be, so many people tell you that, well, obviously belief has to come before salvation. No, sir. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. What is faith? Again, what is faith? Substance, evidence, Christ. You see, we can't please God without God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We can't give anything pleasing to God without God. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags as Scripture teaches us. By faith, Noah, warned of God of the things not yet seen, moved with fear and prepared the ark to the saving of his house. I'd say by Christ he did that. You see where I'm going with this? You see, that thing, that, that part in us that has that inclination towards believing the truth, you know what that part is? It's just like Paul said in the, in, in the, when he wrote to the church there at Colossae, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, if we remember that, if we remember these things, if we keep in mind, and like Paul said there in that 15th chapter of the book of Romans, this will deliver you, this will save you, if you keep it in your mind, if you remember this, it will save you, it will deliver you from doubt, it will deliver you from fear, it will deliver you from, you won't be wringing your hands about every little thing that comes along, oh, you'll, your life will be so much more peaceful. He says in the, and you can, you can read that uh, 11th chapter and just replace that word faith by Christ. Um, um, through faith, they passed through the Red Sea. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to think I'm changing words here, but I want you to understand that they mean the same thing. That through by Christ they passed through the Red Sea. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. By Christ the walls of Jericho fell down. We, we sung a song last week, and I've been singing it in my head a lot recently, that talked about some of these things and about the God who lived in the olden times. He's just the same today. He is just the same today. So by faith, we can walk day by day without fear. By Christ, we can walk day by day without fear. 
and the writer here tells us, and he gives us a little bit of a, a hint as to why that is, and I'm gonna kind of go back just a little bit and get back to that fourth chapter. He says, uh, in the 10th chapter of this Hebrew letter, he says this, um, 10 and 22, beginning. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of our faith. You know what that means to have full assurance of your faith? It means to not doubt. Oh, that right there, brothers and sisters, that right there is one of those things that plagues me. I am a doubting Thomas. Most all the time, I am a doubting Thomas. I worry about stuff. Good heavens, I worry so much about stuff that, that it's out of my control, totally out of my control. Why am I worried about stuff that's out of my control? Because I forget that by Christ, that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from a, an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. <coughs> he says, without wavering. And then he gives a little parenthetical that tells us why we're able to do that. For he is faithful that promised. Because Jesus is faithful. So as we think about this 11th verse there again in the 4th chapter, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. That is the, that's our goal here in this life. To enter into that rest. To be able to live day by day in Christ. Without fear, without worry, without, without that sin that so doth easily beset us. <clears throat> Let us labor, lest any of us should fall after the same example of unbelief. And so here he begins to tell us why it is we don't, why it is we can trust in that rest why it is we can fall into that rest without being concerned you ever seen those you know the people that do that that falling test you know you get uh, used to be a, it's a, a co-worker trust building kind of exercise and you get the one person that stands in front and the other person stands behind and i'm pretty sure if i were to do this at my place they'd just move and let me fall and hit the ground I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what would happen and they do that just for the fun of it just so they could get a good laugh well, every time you fall into the arms of Christ, he'll catch you. Every time. For the word of God is quick. That, Jesus, Jesus is fast. Okay, we'll give the most small ending here. The word of God here is not talking about the text. It's not talking about a book. It is the Word of God, the living Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John tells us that in the very first, part, very first verse, the very first chapter of his gospel. 
Jesus Christ is the Word of God. It is the, that, that's the word logos. It means the mind of God or the will of God or the, the, the thoughts and intents of God. It is the Word of God. This idea of quick does not mean fast. It means living. Now, I'm sure you already knew that. I've shared that many times before. But I just remind to remind you again, the Word of God, Jesus Christ is living. One of the things that distinguishes true Christianity from all of the other religions in the world is that we serve a living God. He's not some guy dead in a tomb somewhere. He's not some guy that, that rotted away. Um, the, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, told the Jews gathered around there, he's not like David. He's not still in his tomb. His body's not uh, decayed. He's not rotted away. He's alive. He is alive. And that same, the same power that brought Jesus Christ out of the tomb, alive, that thing that declared him to be the Son of God, that same power is the same power that creates in each of us that faith, that Christ in you, the hope of glory. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 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 piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's explaining to us who Jesus Christ is. Why, why can you rest? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. There's no nothing that's hid from him. That's what he's saying here. Nothing is hid from him. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The eyes of him. Again, this is not a book. It's not a text. It's not a preached word. Just like that uh, faith comes by hearing a verse that so many want to use to say, okay, see there, in order to get faith, you've got to be in a place where you can hear preaching. Let me tell you, preaching will strengthen your faith. Preaching will help you learn the truth about faith. Preaching won't give you faith. Only God gives you faith. Now what we do with it, that's, that's back in our court. Okay? But only God gives you faith. This is the God that does that. It is the, the God that created the universe. The God that is powerful. Uh, the God that is living. <laughs> the God that, that, that sees all. That knows all. This, these are attributes of God. These aren't, these aren't descriptive terms about uh, uh, just some potentate. These aren't descriptive terms about you know, some president. These are descriptive terms about God. This is who God is. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is everywhere present. Nowhere absent. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest or fully in view of him. He says, but all things are open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And again here, if, if, if you weren't sure before about the fact that this is not a book, this is not a preached word, this is not a text, he gives us his name. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. And where is he now? Uh, 
The writer here tells us at the beginning of this book, he says, um, um, when he has talking about Jesus, the Son of God, uh, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, that is Jesus Christ. Where is he now? He, of course, he's upholding all things by the word of his power. When he hath by himself purged our, our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus rules and reigns today. Seated at the right hand of God, indicating that he is at the seat of power, seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning. Not, not in the not hunched over, not wringing his hands, not worried about what might be and who might accept this and who might not. None of that. None of that's going on. He's all powerful. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. And I'll go ahead and add the word of our faith. Let us hold, let us hold fast to that. Let us hold fast. For we have not, and here's that double negative. Suzanne, uh, Suzanne was talking about this, I guess it was last week. She says she always has trouble with that double negative there. And it's, but it is what it is. It's a double negative, meaning it's a positive. Meaning, he's, he says here, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We have a high priest that can only feel what it is we feel. There's no way he cannot feel what we feel. There's no way he cannot know what, what we're going through. Why? Because he was in all ways tempted just like we are. We have not a, a, a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Never wait. Why? Because he's faithful. Because he's always, without fail, faithful. You see, that's who. That's, that's who is on the inside. That is the source of our faith. A God that never fails. A God that never wavers. He, uh, the writer here of this Hebrew letter says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think that's in this book. He's unchanging. He doesn't change. He says, let us therefore come boldly. And we're back to that, what he said over there in the 10th verse again. How, how did he put that there? He said, uh, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Draw near. Full assurance of our faith. Let us therefore come boldly through the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When is that time of need? When is it? That's the question. When is your time of need? It's today. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's today. It's right now. Trust him. That's, that's the whole message. That's the message that the writer would have us to hear. And I hope that's the message you've heard this morning. May God help us to remember that's my prayer.